the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Lablotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, he said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right back right, right, right. He's not Dad Ramson. He's just fought. Stu Grimson. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Dinnerbush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. He absolutely decked him tight with a wild right. The sheer stagger by a big left hand by Wade Beeler. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Score! Blue guard down the wing. Blue guard falls away. Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode 13 of the 5 for Fighting podcast, the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed doing it. Today's guest was um, a lot of fun to interview. He had the second most penalty minutes in the uh, WPHL, none other than Peter Zerba. And, um, you know, I had a had a lot of fun doing this interview. It's very. I, I always like talking about the the old Western Pro League because there's not much out there on it. Um, you know, a lot of the footage is very limited, and you can only kind of really hear about the league from either the players or just kind of read up about it a little bit. So um, it was a lot of fun to hear about a guy who was in the league long enough. You know, and you know, I've had a couple other guys on here who may have played a couple couple years in the uh, the Whipple as they called it. But I apologize if I'm sniffling again. You know, lovely Florida likes to get uh, likes to get hot and then cold and then hot again the next day, so your body doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. So as right as I was going over getting sick the uh, last time around, um, that's why the kind of the Tasker episode was delayed. But now I'm got the sniffles again a little bit, but um, you know I think we'll we'll push through here. <laughs> um, excuse me. I'd like to remind everybody that the Five for Fighting podcast is a proud partner of the 2019 Mustache Classic Ice Hockey Outing, benefiting men's cancer and suicide prevention in cooperation with the Movember Foundation that just recently passed on November 16th, 2019 at Danbury Arena in Danbury, Connecticut. We are joined in partnership by Champion Elevator, Roosters Hockey Wax, Boost Oxygen, Sprig CBD Sodas, Two for Roughing Designs, Grant Supply Company, the Danbury Hat Tricks and TK's American Cafe. I know the uh, the old charity game just passed, and Matt, it looked like yeah, looked like it was a great great showing and everything like that. So, I know the uh, the foundation is still collecting some donations. So you can head on over to uh, the Instagram. It's the Mustache Classic. You can find it there, and uh, you can follow the links there and see where you can donate money for their, for the great cause. And I love what's lo- love what they're doing, and glad to see it turned out okay. Um, Really hope I can make it out there next year. I think it'd be a lot of fun to go. Um, you know, just way cards fell this year, we are, we're already taking a trip up north to go visit the family up for the holidays this time around. So unfortunately, wasn't able to wasn't able to make the uh, what's he called muster up the funds to go do that. But nonetheless, man, it looked like a good time. So Matt, you know, congratulations. I know this is your first first time putting it on, and it's better job than I could have ever fucking done myself. Um, 
So you know, just wanted to congratulate you on a you know successful charity game. I know you had a lot, some pl- a lot of players involved and some great sponsors involved. So you know, congratulations to you, man. Um, yeah. So uh, I've been down to uh, two two guests, uh, or excuse me, um, an episode every two weeks now, and it's a little little weird. And I apologize because I told uh, I think I told Zerba at the time uh, it'd be released. I think in like a week or two, and I think it's almost been three weeks now. So I do apologize. I kind of made that switch in the process uh, after we had recorded already. And I know Veterans Day just passed and Remembrance Day. So, uh, you know, speaking of that, uh, Peter Zerba, his son, is going into the military. So uh, all the luck to you, man. If if your son's listening, you know, I wish him the best of luck and, uh, you know, enjoy it. Um, if I have any advice for you, take a lot of pictures. That's something I for, or I wish I would have done more. You think you're gonna think it's um, you're gonna think it's stupid when you're in. Oh no, I don't need to take a fucking picture with the boys. Blah blah blah. Well, yeah, I really wish I would have taken more pictures. <laughs> um, you, you're gonna miss a lot of the stuff. Um, but you know, to enjoy it, embrace it, and you know, don't. Some stuff may get you down out there, and whether you're going to boot camp or and you know. Don't volunteer for anything. Never do that. Do what I did. You just don't. You just sit there, shut up, and do what you're told. Don't try to stand out. Don't try to be a squad leader, guide, whatever you want to call it. Nobody's nobody's gonna care about that after boot camp. So, just uh, keep your chin up and uh, only talk when you talk to. And you know, don't do anything to stand out. It was the best way to do it. The my drill instructors didn't know who the fuck I was until about uh, probably maybe three weeks left into boot camp <laughs> so that's the best way to do it man fly under the radar but you know best of luck to your endeavors man hope it all goes well for you you know i myself i miss it so much to where i'm uh going back in a little bit i'm going to the national guard next year i've already started the process board a little bit here um i just gotta I, I got fat and happy for the next year for the year i took off so i got some work to do as far as getting back into shape for it but um i've already been in contact with the recruiters so i think it's going to be good but um yeah again man fucking enjoy it and you know hope all the best for you um you know that being said with the whole remembrance day and i know it's been talked about a lot before and i'm not going to really get into it because it's been on every other podcast but you know the firing of don cherry i think one of my posts uh, me and darren both our posts got taken out of context um when I had, I had direct messaged darren about it and when i i say our post got taken out of context everybody thought we were talking about Cherry himself and trying to get into the politics about it. We were both more so just disappointed that it was a piece of um, like fight history taken away. And by that, I mean, you know, Don Cherry was one of the last guys, if not the only guy really out there in the hockey world with a big name to advocate for the um, rough physical side of hockey and stand up for the enforcers and everything like that. And no guys out there now really do. I, well, I see. I take that back. I see Tim and Sid do it every once in a while. Like you know, they had no problem with the Lucic play, which of course I didn't. Um, when he had punched, um, oh fuck, who was that? It was Sherwood, I think, from the Blue Jackets. Um, that's a whole different fucking animal. But um, excuse me. Yeah. So uh, when I had posted that, I said I was disappointed because you know we were we, we were talking. I'd posted in the Facebook group. Uh, that was like a piece of fight history kind of taken away. And like another one is it's been crazy this year. This year has been not good for the fans of uh, hockey fights and the guys who are in the hobby. It's uh, drop your gloves was gone first and fried chicken hockey fights and drop your gloves was probably the best hockey fight site out there. Hands down with all the scorecards um, or excuse me, fight cards, I should say 
but you can get like the box scores and everything like that. And people just put so much research into that, but now it's all gone, unfortunately. And, um, I don't, I don't think it's coming back sadly. And that was every once in a while I can get on the way back machine. Thankfully, Darren taught me how to do it, but I get on the way back machine and fight some or find some fight cards and get it of, uh, see who, what guys fought what year and this and that, but now it's kind of gone and fried chicken, like I said, is down. They had a great hockey, uh, hockey forums, um, section on there where a lot of guys would talk about trading tapes and fights and everything like that and now recently while why they did it i have no clue uh hockeyfights.com took down the forums and you know i it's not my place to say it but you guys pissed off a lot of fucking people doing that um a lot of guys put in a lot of their work in there i myself i personally didn't because i was younger when everything was kind of really rolling um i remember going back and reading through it but i know a lot of guys put in some serious work um, talking about tapes and uh, other valuable stuff to the hobby, so it's it's just dwindling down, and that's that's kind of what I was talking about with the Don Cherry post, and of course people want to sit there and motherfuck me about it, and yeah, fuck off. It's you, the whole thing was over your head, and same thing with Darren's post. Everybody just attacked him for you know talking about it, but it's not a, that wasn't the point of the post. The point the post wasn't supporting you know, the, the decision or not supporting the decision of the firing of Don Cherry. We're just saying that it was, it's been a, it's been a bad year for hockey fight fans. And as you know, it's just, um, it might be a little bit cheesy to say, but I mean, it's with Darren's podcast and William at the biscuit and myself, I mean, it's, um, it's getting down there to where that's, that's fuck. It's about all we have to remember the boys. So, um, and you know, it's unfortunate too, cause I've actually, uh, been, been trying really hard to get some guests on, and um, I don't know what it is lately, but can't seem to get a guest on. But you know, I'm gonna keep grinding, I guess, and uh, see how it goes. It's also kind of like I said, why the reason why I switched over to, um, excuse me, why I switched over to uh, every two weeks. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, I can get somebody on soon. Um, I'm trying to get this LNA special done, and again, same with that. I've had some guys uh, reply, and then you know they don't. Um, they don't follow up, we'll say, and then, you know, I'm kind of left in the dark, or they just read it and don't reply, so um, it's been a struggle, I guess, or uh, I, I won't say really say a struggle, because it's not like, you know, top my priority list, it's just a hobby, like Darren said, but it'll get to the point where you're kind of just like, what the fuck, and you're kind of getting frustrated, but, um, you know, I'd, it's it's the people who really appreciate it, that kind of, you know, keep this thing going, and um, you know, the... the relationships I've made along the way, I guess, you know, connection with players and everything like that. Um, hell, I was able to get Zerba on because of Screwy St. Louis, old, uh, old Todd St. Louis. He, um, he told me, I was, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, man, I'm kind of fucking hurting for guests. He was like, see, uh, he's like, reach out to Zerba. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that'd be good. Uh, so we got to talking and, you know, thankfully, um, Peter was awesome enough to come onto the show and talk about, uh, some great stuff. Even, <laughs> even chirping old Paul Korea ever, if you ever heard of that guy, some random guy named Korea, right? Um, it was actually one of my favorites growing up, but yeah, that story is pretty funny. Um, and of course you'll get to that here. Um, but real quick before we go, I want to remind everybody, speaking of screwy St. Louis, um, if you go to the best enforcers and hockey fights group and join the group on Facebook, there's currently an auction going on. The, uh, his organization since uh, old screwy St. Louis plays for the uh, Fort Worth Barracudas. Now um, I'm thankful. I was thankful enough that they reached out to me and actually wanted me to uh, host a Jersey auction. 
excuse me, um, host a jersey auction over there on the group. So right now his blue jersey's up, and it's a game-worn Todd St. Louis jersey. Um, it's game-worn. It's signed by him, too, coming straight from the organization. They just wanted me to host it because I have a little bit of an audience on there, I guess you could say. And um, it's where people would actually appreciate it, so it's not just on some random site. But, yeah, that's going on. It's uh, It literally just dropped tonight, which is tonight's Monday. So tomorrow will be day, uh, I guess, technically day one. It drops at, I think, at 6, 625 Eastern time. And it's going to last 72 hours, so it'll end on Thursday at 6.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then after that, if you miss out on this one by any chance, well, uh, you're in luck because there's also another one. I'll probably post that one on Friday, and it's going to be his white jersey. So and it's also signed by him coming straight from the team, game-worn right off of old Screwy's back. So um, I think it's going to be good. And, you know, hopefully we get some bidders out there and get the prices up because it's going to benefit the organization and, um, you know, and they're, they're kind of getting their feet under them. So how, how that league works, um, I was actually talking to Scree on the phone, is basically when you're an expansion team in that league, I forget the actual league name, and I'm kicking myself in the ass for not fucking looking this up um, beforehand, but I do apologize. Um, how it works is when you're an expansion team, you – you have to have at least a year. And I think if I had to take a wild guess, I think it's to make sure that that market is sustainable, but you have to be in like on a, like a tri- I guess you could say like a trial run is the best way to describe it for a year before you can actually join the league. So you kind of have to schedule your own games. The schedule isn't made for you. So they have to assemble the funds and everything like that to become a team um, and get, get players there and everything like that and schedule everything because they're not actually adopted the, into the league yet. So um, this is, you know, benefiting that organization. I, I know they're getting a lot of sponsors now, which is fucking awesome. So, you know, go bid on the jersey. And plus also, you know, if you're in the jersey collecting hobby, um, Todd St. Louis jerseys, they don't come up often at all. In fact, I've, I don't think I've ever – the only ones I've seen were some of his that he owns or he knows people of. So he's, he's sent me pictures, but I don't think I've ever even seen one come up now that, now that I'm thinking about it. But – um, yeah, so there's going to be two, two of them coming up on the, uh, again, that's best enforcers and hockey fights on Facebook. You're going to see it. And the, the, uh, the group picture, it's going to be like the, I guess what's it called? The cover photo. It's, <laughs> I, I made it with really shitty, like, I guess, Photoshop or whatever, really shitty ed- editing, but it's a Mount Rushmore and it's got, uh, instead of like, you know, the U S presidents, it's got Dennis Bonvi, Bob Probert, Dave Schultz and uh, John Ferguson on it. So you'll be able to tell from there. And that's, uh, again, that's best enforces in hockey fights. So go check it out. And, I mean, even if you don't bid on the uh, on the jerseys, it's still a great group. We got a lot of former players in there. We, um, hell, Screwy himself is actually a moderator. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a no bullshit kind of group where it's strictly there to appreciate the, uh, the tough guys and the enforcers and the fights of yesterday. So, uh, there's none of that bullshit, uh, like shit talking the players or anything like that. You know, we don't we don't tolerate that in there. So um, every once in a while, of course, some yahoos will slip through the woodworks. But you know, it is what it is, and they're handled accordingly. And by that, I mean they're just kicked out because we don't have any time for fucking stupidity. But um, yeah, so go, you know, go check it out. Check out some videos. Bait on the jerseys. You know, it's it's a good time. A lot of player interaction, player fan interaction on there. So yeah, definitely go check that out and. Um, 
go check out my uh, the uh, the Twitter page for the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, I post all the internet, or excuse me, I post all the episodes up um, on there. I post typically daily for the most part. Um, every once in a while, I'll, I'll miss a day or two. Uh, just about stuff that's going on in the hockey world, kind of like the the physical rough stuff or suspensions that should or shouldn't be warranted, or like the Don Cherry thing. Um, and it's going to be. Um, five for fighting pod on there on twitter so it's actually going to be the um the number five and then four fighting pod and then you could also check it out on instagram but then it's actually going to be spelled out five for fighting pod unfortunately it's, it was taken on twitter so i got fucked over a little bit there so the handles are different so it kind of looks uh looks a little goofy but it is what it is and you could also check out the uh the pod's facebook page which is just five for fighting podcast go give it a like and again all the all the episodes are updated um and everything's on there so you can go to give that a chat um, Give that a like or a follow. I think it, whatever it, whatever it is on Facebook, um, I think it's a like. But uh, yeah, nonetheless. So if if you're on one of those you know social media platforms more than other, you thing you're covered on all three. So um, yeah. Um, and real quick before we get going here, because you know I'm running a little long. Normally I don't like to keep these things longer than about ten minutes, but I had a lot of stuff to cover today. Um, you know, go check out uh, my buddy Darren over at Fourth Line Voice, the uh, the OG, the original Enforcer podcast. And he's got uh, he's got great interviews up. He just had one with McIntyre, uh, Joe Grimaldi, and then none other than uh, Brad Wingfield talking about the uh, the Mustache Classic down there in Danbury. You know, Brad Wingfield, old winger, was uh, was a big name down there for the Trashers when they were a team. So uh, it was a it was a great interview, and I loved it. Just it just just came out today, so definitely go check that out. Um, his t- his talk in Danbury is just the fucking. It's the greatest, man. <laughs> it's so good. It's so fucking awesome. I love it. Oh, also, because I'm a huge fucking Trasher fan. But, yeah, definitely go check that one out. And then, of course, my boy William over at the Biscuit and Dan and Kelly and Paul over at Obey the Puck. And um, also check out the boys over at Get the Gate Podcast. They're, they're, they're pretty fun to listen to. It's um, it's more modern stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, hadn't, I don't think I heard of them from uh, old Fourth Line Voice. And, um I gave it a listen because, you know, I normally, I mean, me and Darren kind of got the same taste, so they don't really uh, talk bad about the athlete, and they'll kind of get on there, and uh, they do fun little specials, like they just had one on Mika Kippersoft, which was good, um, and they had one on a Corsi a while ago, which I had no clue what the fuck Corsi was, because I don't even watch hockey <laughs> anymore, um, so I was clueless on what the fuck that meant, but luckily the boys cleared it up, so that's a good one as uh, as far as the modern game goes, and then same with, um, same with Obey the Puck, those are pretty much the main two I listen to as far as the modern game. Um, and then uh, also go check out the Morning Skate. You know, they've gotten pretty big. Uh, I've listened to just a couple of their episodes, but, of course, my ears perked up when I heard uh, Fourth Line Voice is going to be on there, so you go check that out. Uh, those boys are pretty good, too. They're uh, younger guys. I think they're probably around my age, maybe a little bit older, but, um, you know, pretty good stuff from them. And, of course, I love the episode with, with my boy Darren. So, um yeah, that'll be it, man. Sorry, I'm running this long here, and I know y'all came here for Peter Zerba. Um, yeah, you, obviously, that's with the title, but you know, um, give the podcast a, a rate on was it uh, iTunes? Yeah, give it, go, give it a yeah, one star, five star. To tell me I'm stupid for breathing with a dip in, whatever the case may be. Fucking, just get a review for it, please. Um, you know, it'd mean a lot. And um, yeah, I guess we'll fucking call it there. So without further ado, we'll. Uh, We'll pass it over to Peter Zerbin. I appreciate you guys for listening. Hope you enjoy. This should be good. This should be very good. 
All right, and today's guest on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a dude who managed to rack up 2,570 career penalty minutes, 1,077 coming from just the WPHL alone. And he happens to be the second all-time PIM leader from the Western Professional Hockey League, none other than Peter Zerba. Peter, how are you doing today, man? Very good. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. Um, you know, shout out to old Screwy St. Louis for uh, directing me to you there. He's out here. <laughs> talking. Awesome, you're gonna start charging. You're gonna start charging me off to put his check in the mail. I, t- I tell you what, I-, I wish I could have played with that guy, man. I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't be talking to each other if we did. <laughs> <laughs> Would you see? He's he's playing again in uh, some some league down in Texas. I forget the actual name of it, but he's playing for the Barracudas. Um, it's like uh, oh, some, some some minor league, but it's fucking awesome to see him back on. He said it's like his first time back skating in like 13 years or something like that. Besides men's league, it's pretty awesome, man. I get you know, I mean, guys, some guys have it, some guys don't. I mean, you got to give the guy the props. I mean, he's stuck around for this long, and he's definitely taking care of himself. I mean, it's pretty awesome, I think. Absolutely, man. Well, before we get into your career a little bit here, I always like to ask the boys, uh, you know, what are you up to now after hockey? So I have got into the, a little bit of the construction when I got out of the game, but I have a small little landscaping company um, close to home here in Round Rock. So I'm not too far from Houston, but I live in Austin. So, And I... Uh, take care of small and residential and um, kind of keep it small. You know, I got a couple guys right now and one time I had five, but I just kind of downsized a little bit and, and uh, I'm pretty busy at that. Well, there you go. Well, you love Texas so much. You stay down there, right? Well, <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough when you, you know, you come down here and, and uh, you know, I had, I was married, you know, way back when I was playing in the WPHL and got a divorce and, you know, Hayden was, my oldest is 17 now. And, um, you know, we were divorced when he was three. So, you know, it's sacrifice, right, Matt? Right. You just, you just kind of, you just kind of go with it. And I, I wouldn't change anything for it, to be honest. Right on. Well, um, well, I guess we'll get right into it here then. Um, so you were, you were born in Thompson, Manitoba. Did you, uh, you kind of start out on skates, pretty much born out out of the womb with some skates on. Or did hockey kind of come a little bit later for you? Yeah, you know, we I grew up in. Well, I mean, I was born in Thompson, straight. And my my dad made a move um, to Revelstoke in, in BC, there, you know, close to Calgary, farther from Vancouver, BC Alberta border, and. Um, you know, I think I started skating. I think my mom said that I was three years old, and I didn't start skating till I got to BC, uh, to Revelstoke and stuff like that. So I started my career there. Um, and uh, uh, hockey, hockey was always kind of been in our blood. You know, my uncle played. He was in the minors back in the day in the seventies. Played, played a little bit in Detroit, um, the Rangers, and you know, he knows all those old guys and stuff like that now that we kind of see and read about. And so I guess you know they kind of pass that on. Um, to myself and you know I just kind of made it something that is my passion like uh, every other you know person in the USA and Canada I guess oh there you go well it seems <laughs> some some people man it seems like up there in Canada you guys are just born with a stick and skates on you know <laughs> always start yeah, well, out early yeah it's it's you know growing up in the mountains you know my parents you know we weren't far from the rink you know, I, you know, I did a lot of you know, some school sports, not too much, but, you know, 
finances were tough, so you know you could only you, know, you kind of had to pick one one sport. Right. And uh, um, and you know that's the sport that I was you know probably the best at, and um, and you just kind of just you know you, you take it from there. You know there was a lot of traveling. You know it's the same it's the same stories. You know you you, you hear um, from other guys that you. You get out, you go to the cold rink, and I mean, you know, I got a taste of that, and that, you know, that's kind of going away, and I, I uh, you know, you, you cherish those moments, you really do, and the, the smell of different rinks, which is crazy, you complain about getting up at five in the morning, and, you know, like, what one city reminds me, like, a Merit, you know, playing in Merit, you know, it was so cold, you know, I think that's why they won half the time, is because we couldn't put our skates on, you know what I mean, it's just... <laughs> It got to be, you know. But I mean, you just you remember those, you remember those times, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't have that problem. Put my skates on down here in Florida. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> Actually, man, there's sometimes there's, it's it's sometimes man. I mean, of course, I play just super shitty beer league, obviously. Um, but you know, when we play, it's so fucking hot in the rink. It, it just feels humid because it's just how how nasty the fucking air, like muggy and everything is out in the uh, outside the rink. So it's like sometimes when we play, it's like it's hot as fucking here right now. <laughs> Which you, would you know, think, you wouldn't uh, even think it would be possible in a fucking ice rink. You know, you know, and I, one thing that you know, you said that you, you you play, you know, play shitty beer league or whatever. But you know, you know, back when I was playing. Uh, when I when I was playing up in the in the, in the AAA level and bouncing back and forth and stuff like that to you know the WP and just you know battling like anybody else does back then, you know you know Lee Norwood when he when he was coaching me he and and, and I'll never forget it when I was just kind of just shooting shit with him and stuff like that. He always told me he always told me like you know everybody no matter what league you are in you you, you put the gear on the same and and that's one thing that I'll never forget because it just, it really makes sense to me. And, and it's something so simple, but something like that, you know, regardless of the level you're at, and you can ask probably a lot of the NHL guys, you probably say the same thing. And, and, and I, and I've taken that, I've really taken that. And I've never forgot, you know, little, little things like that with guys that have been around, you know, and I think that's, that's very important because that's how you grow the game. You know, you, you, you know, if you know you go to the rink, you know you're not a professional hockey player anymore, but you can you're still beside someone that you're playing with. I mean, it's it's the same, right? You just it's like we put our socks on. I mean, it's the same thing. And you know, if you can, I think more people need to think like that and respect the game. Um, I mean, not that the NHL isn't popular any right now. I mean, it's, it's probably the most popular it's ever been. You know, right? And some of some of these other you know, sport, you know, game and football and, and NBA and all that. Maybe they should have to look into that and, and start, you know, using that mentality. I don't know. That's, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, down here in Tampa, um, you know, I, I always grew up a huge hockey fan. Um, I was, you know, I was raised in the Midwest. We had minor hockey up there and then moving down here and just seeing how much it's grown, um, from the time we moved to Tampa, which was probably, I think in about Oh two, we moved to Tampa. Oh one ish. Um, and you know, we, we became instant lightning fans cause it was, you know, the first pro hockey team we ever saw. And, um, just the amount of the amount the game has grown 
is ridiculous. Like, you know, it's a non-traditional hockey market. Excuse me, hockey market. Everybody likes to say, but I mean, at the end of the day, Tampa really is. It's it's a fucking hockey town. It's crazy to see. You, you see billboards everywhere. You know, throughout the years, you've seen more and more bumper stickers or lightning flags or whatever the case may be. I don't. I personally, I don't watch the game anymore, but it's just it's it's still cool to me to see how much this city has actually embraced the sport, being in a, again a non-traditional hockey market. Yeah, you're, you hit it right there. Um, you know, of course, Gretzky back in the day. I mean, you, you got to give that guy. I mean, Trey. I mean, he oh, started yeah. that. I, I mean, and that just kind of went on. And the caliber of players that are coming into the league now, the young kids. I mean, I think it's 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 actually it's it's amazing to see what one guy, one trade, changed the game forever to save the game and. You know, if people know the story behind Gretzky, most people do. You, you know, you, you listen to the story of Walter. I mean, it's pretty amazing because he's the one that kind of told you know Wayne to go, and um, because he knew that he's, it's time to go, and, and you got if you're going to make the NHL the way what it is, that's that's the time, and you know, I mean, that's why he's a great one, and and. Um, unfortunately, he's getting a lot older, and it's a sad day when he. But I mean, he is—he's the one that changed the game. There's no question, no question. Absolutely, yeah, without well, I, you know, without Gretzky, who knows? They might not. There probably wouldn't have even been an East Coast Hockey League or a Western Professional Hockey League. You know, there's no question, no question. Right on, exactly. Um, well, moving to your career here, you started out in the uh, the old BC Junior League. How did that kind of come about when you got to uh, Vernon there? Yeah, so I um, so I start. I went to try, I went and tried out. I was you see, I was sixteen, uh, turning seventeen, and I walked on to Bellingham IceHawks, and um, I got I was like the last cut or something like that. Back then it was last cut, you know, <laughs> and then you know I went and I was lucky enough that Vernon had their camp after, and I went to Vernon. And I was in shape. You know, and I, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. My mom drove me from there to the next spot, and you know, I, I, I remember fighting a guy that was a veteran, and I was 17. I got my ass kicked, but I, <laughs> I, um, I still, uh, I just, I, I just worked hard. I got a spot, and that was, you know, Mel Liss was the manager at the time, and Eddie Johnstone was the coach, and that was the first time that I really had a. Uh, an eye opener, you know, 17, there was, you know, guys that are 20. And so, you know, I had to grow up pretty fast and that was scary, you know, living with families. Um, you know, that, that's kind of where it started the life skills for myself and, um, you know, trusting, you know, seeing how it worked, guys getting traded, you could be going to another town. It, it was very uh, overwhelming, but um, I was lucky enough to have, the veterans that we had, like, you know, Scott Longstaff and, you know, Paul Cree was playing for uh, uh, the Panthers um, at that time. And there was a lot of awesome players. Um, so, you know, you just, you, those are the things that you don't, you, you don't forget. And, you know, you don't, don't really know those guys. It made you kind of, you know, be humble about how, you know, how good those guys really were and how far they went and kind of helped yourself inside your own, uh, uh, journey, you know. Exactly. Yeah, man. You you uh, 
you seemed to <laughs> you jumped right in and got your toes wet, man. You you managed to rack up two hundred six penalty minutes and thirty nine points your very first year. Did you <laughs> were, were you kind of uh, like I won't say pushed into the role, but did someone kind of tell you a little bit like, hey, uh, if you want to stand out a little bit, you're gonna you know maybe fighting would be uh be the kind of the path you want to go down and it was it a mental decision you made yourself like if i want to stick around i'm i'm going to do this to kind of stand out and make my own spot here oh that's a good that question right there if my dad heard my answer here he cringed because he couldn't stand that i that's what i was doing but i you know i as a player as a player i didn't i mean i scored goals in minor hockey and and i played I played single A, double A, but you know you couldn't move. I couldn't move and go play triple A because that's just the way the minor hockey kept minor hockey alive. Right. You, know, you can't get, you can't just move and go play for. You know, I mean, that's a, and it's okay. That's the way it goes. Um, I, I moved. I got in there because I was just I like to play aggressive and and you know I didn't want I, I felt like I didn't want anybody to stick up for me. You know, if you're going to be a, a dick out there, you know you got to pay the piper a little bit. I guess you can say. And, um, you know, I just, um, it, I, I figured the game to be a, like a, a little bit of, a, you can change the game without scoring goals. And I saw the guys struggle with scoring goals and that's a lot of pressure and it has not changed. You're not scoring goals, you're going somewhere else. And so I was lucky enough to kind of figure it out myself that I was tough enough a little bit. And then, you know, obviously get whacked around a little bit, you get a little bit tougher and you kind of figure out like that. But I also could, you know, you could win a game by, you know, back then drawing penalties and, and, you know, doing, doing the shit that happened because it was pretty nasty back then, even in, in the junior days. Oh yeah, man, for sure. Uh, fucking junior hockey back in the day was no joke. You know, anybody out there who goes back and looks at like, uh, even though like WHL footage, it's like night and day of what <laughs> what goes on today. Oh, but um, <laughs> that mentality you have, man, I, I like that a lot. You know, you uh, people don't realize you, you could the, the game. Yes, the the whole objective of the the game of hockey is to score goals. But there's other ways you can make a difference on the ice besides just goals. And you know, for you to kind of you know put yourself on the line for that is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, I you got. You know, when I came into Vernon, there I was. You know, like I said, I was. You know, sixteen, turning seventeen. I mean, in Vernon, there. Sorry, um, sixteen, seventeen, and then I had. You know, there was a guy, John Vito, that was from my hometown, a little bit older. He went to the junior B, and then went. He went and played with Vernon at the same time I made it, and, and that was pretty special. So I was comfortable. That definitely helped me a lot uh, to have a, a, a guy that you grew up with. That kind of been there and um but the guy that the guys didn't give me an inch it was um it was um it was just it was just a it was a a grow up very fast thing or you're going to be in trouble because you know if if you know where would i be if, if i didn't have you know if i wasn't picked to play for vernon or you know and then move on to a lot you know what i mean so there's there's a piece of the puzzle you don't forget like the, my, my puzzle just kind of keeps going and um but you don't you don't forget the the guys that played major roles in that uh in the in your journey you know right exactly man um and well you, you kept the uh you kept the train right on rolling you managed to get your next year 
he racked up 67 <laughs> points and 194 pims. That's insane to even think about. All, let alone a player getting you know 200 pims today is like almost unheard of now. But you managed to still put up six, or, uh, 67 <laughs> points at the same time, I, man. I was a dick, man. I really was, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I got under the guy's skin, but I could score. I could, you know, I could be, you know, I could. And that's why that's the kind of player I want. You know, my idol. I wore seventeen in my career because I like I, I I loved Wendell Clark. I loved I loved the way he played. I'm not an Oilers fan, but I loved Wendell Clark. The way I wanted to play like that. You know, to be an all around player like that. That guy answered the bell. You know what I mean? You know, if I was from New York, you know, I would probably I would love Ty Domi. But I, you know, Wendell Clark was really skilled. You know, he was, and he was awesome off the ice. He was. He just he went balls to the wall and he played for a shitty team. You know, and I, I love that. You know what I mean? And, um, um, yeah, he, he uh, you know, I used to watch him, but just watched him. I, you know, I mean, because he was, he was an inspiration for me. That, that was the player I kind of watched, you know. Of course, Gretzky, everybody watched Gretzky, but uh, that's why I wore 17 till it pretty much almost ended, you know. So. Absolutely. Yeah, fucking Wendell was a beauty, and I never got to see him play, of course. I'm only 23. But just lo- watching highlights and hearing everybody talk about him, he was in a world of his own. Like his rookie season, it was ridiculous just seeing it. He'd fucking be like a cannonball out there, and he answered the bell to fucking everybody. Like there's, there will never be a player like that ever again. Uh, I don't think there will. I don't think there will be. Well, you know, no. yeah, because no one can fight like that and score goals and look after his team and, and play for a team like that. It, he, and if you go back and look at footage of him and stuff like that, I mean, he's he's he, he, when's the last time you really saw him interviewed? You, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's kind of like of a Bo Jackson kind of. You know, Bo Jackson kind of fell off the map because he wants to do his own thing. You know what I mean? He's done playing, kind of went away. You know, and I think Wendell Clark is kind of like that, like Steve Eisenman too. You know, and he's just some. I like I like that. You know, because you know we're not hockey players anymore, right? You just kind of kind of move on and you appreciate the things like like this you know get an interview and, and explain your your your, uh, your life and where you're at now i think it's pretty cool exactly um you know at the end of the day everybody's you know these dudes are all human and you know it may not seem like it because of course they're they're superstars everybody watch them play on the ice and everything like that but you know it's just one of those things it's like uh, paul korea the same way how he kind of Moved away from everything, and then he had like his first interview in years. Uh, who was it? I think it was with TSN or uh, somebody. I think, and they t- right. you know talk about everything. But yeah, you just you just move on from it, man. It's you turn the page and you keep on going. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, and I saw that interview, right? And and I um, I'll tell you I'll tell you a story. When I, uh, it's funny, you said you know because I had the I had so much respect for that guy because he was so good. Oh in, in yeah, junior, well, he's I one was, of my favorites. I was, he, I was lucky enough to see this guy, you know, same age as me. And I'm, just, I, they put me out there. I had to shadow this guy during certain games. And, and you know, I, I probably didn't even look at the puck. I, I couldn't. I had to watch, like, literally, you know, try to get the gun to this guy's skin. And I'll never forget when he first made the, the junior, t- the Canadian juniors as a, a, a tier two hockey, junior hockey player, I think it was. Um, coming out of you know junior out of Penticton, and I was on the on the bench just talking shit to him, and he, and, uh, he just he came up to me on the bench, 
and he said, all he said to me was, World Juniors, baby. And and I'm like, and I didn't say nothing. I probably didn't say anything for the rest of the year to him because, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, he's just that good. I mean, he's no, just, it's Paul and, Korea. And, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, and he was, a, he was a prick too. He, no question. He was a prick. But I respect what he did and how good he was and also how, you know, the interview that he had of him out of the game because they, they were they were mad because well so what? I mean he got out of the I mean he did a lot for the game and, and it's he's smart, you know, his dad is very smart. His parents took care of him the right way, you know. And I think it's I think we need more of that, you know, just because it's the game that, you know, people see I mean they don't know a lot of people don't know the person off the ice, right? So, you know, you can be two different people off the ice, you know, on the ice, off the ice, you know that. Um, it's just like anything else, I guess, you know, in sports. Exactly. Yeah. Um, with, uh, <laughs> like you said, it seemed like people were mad at him and I don't, I don't understand why it's just like, like he can't let the guy live, live his own life after hockey, you know? Uh, so I, why people were mad about it, I don't know, but you know, he ended up getting his number retired and came back and had a great speech and everything for Anaheim. So, um, he yeah, just, right. you know, just didn't want to fucking do you want to talk hockey? He said you just wanted to go out, catch some waves, and go the fuck home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he if he wasn't in the Hall of Fame, he wouldn't have. He he probably he wouldn't have been you know back there. He'd have been just kind of just you know just the way it goes. You know, it's life. You know, he's just probably protecting his 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 you know his family or whatever. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and. Um, to come back like that and acknowledge the fans like that, I think it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, everybody gets older and stuff like that, and he's, just, he's always been humble. He took care of himself, and you know, how do you not respect a guy like that? You know, and not many others can say out there that they got to chirp at Paul Korea. So <laughs> you got that, yeah, you got that I, in your bucket I, list yeah. there. He, I, yeah, he, he was pretty awesome, actually. Man, I, I remember playing. I, I, I like, I like remembering stuff like that. Guys that are. That you can go out and watch on TV that you know that made like that. I mean, like like Rod, Dina Byer, Scott, you know, those guys like that. You know what I mean? There's there's a few more, but um, just the same way you kind of they kind of helped you develop as a as a person away from the game by running into them when you played. You know, I didn't have the size, I didn't have the skating ability, but I I worked hard. But you know, it it, it comes down to like we talked about earlier about you put the gear the same on the same way. And, and, you know, I went to, I went to a camp. It was for, uh, what was it? I think it was in Vegas. I went to camp and I got let go at the end, starting of the season, something like that. And, and the Panthers were actually there and practicing or something. And he, uh, he saw my sticks with my bag there and he saw my name and, and, and can you know, acknowledge me and, because I turned around to, you know, to BC's best ever and stuff like that um, when we had all that stuff going on back then. And, and, I, and I thought that was really awesome. You know, that's the kind of guy that guy was. Just, you know what I mean? Just very humble, um, awesome player, and um, it's stuff like that, you know, small-town guys like that that I, I really respect for sure. Right. Exactly, man. Well, you know, going over and continuing your career here, you end up in Huntsville in the uh, the old Southern Hockey League. How did you uh, How did you end up there? <laughs> so that was so that was my first year uh, coming out of junior. I went to Bellingham for the I uh, what 
was it Bellingham? No, no, uh, Birmingham Bulls. I went. It started with a B, so I've came a long way. I can correct myself here. <laughs> so, so I went to Birmingham. I didn't play. I was there for at least a month and a half. I didn't play. Um, for some reason, they had an older team, and it's just the way it is. You know, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. You know, I have my. I know why. It doesn't matter. I went to Huntsville. I played for Larry Floyd. I played for like with, I played with Craig Cox. I played with Brent Persia. I played with a lot of guys who won a championship there. Um, that's that's when I really kind of got um, a, a taste of reality into the pro hockey. When guys I used right. to watch like Craig Cox and see how humble he was, and you know Craig would Craig would bring us and we'd go over there have beers at his house and or his apartment and, and he'd have his fight some of his tapes on and. And there's certain ones that he couldn't watch because it affected him, you know what I mean? Because, you know, this one then his career, you know, there's always someone tougher and stuff like that. But, um, you know, guys like that, man, it's pretty awesome. We ended up winning a championship. We were, you know, there's not a lot of teams, but I tell you what, that's, that, that league to come in for myself, I mean, I had to fight tooth and nail some guys that were so tough. Who were some of the guys you happened to fight? Uh, let's see here. I fought. Um, I don't even. I don't know some of the guys. I know. I know. Um, what's his name? Um, I can't really remember. I, I really can't. Uh, but <laughs> I think they were just kind of. There was no like guys that were, um, you know, NHL guys and stuff like that. I was smarter than that. You know, I always kind of fought the guys that were in the league a little bit. You know, I, I kind of p- picked my spots, I guess you can say. Um, you know, sometimes I got my ass kicked in that in that uh, in that league for sure because there was only five teams. You had to play a team sometimes. You know, back to back, and it got to be sh- just crazy. You know. <laughs> right. You guys had a fucking tough team too. You had Jonathan Dubois, Todd Dougherty, you know, you know Coxie, right. and then Jack Gregg. <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah. It, no, it really was. And, um, but it was, you know, when it it was kind of like every man for himself. It's a new league. You got to. I'm starting my kind of my pro career. It's, you know, you gotta. You a lot of those guys knew each other. You know, a lot of guys, Coxie's on his way down. Superge is on his way down. They're done in their career. Trying to help all these young guys. But then there's the guys from the other team that are trying to make a name for themselves, trying to fight these guys. And, you know, so there's a, there was a lot of, you know, the other guys like that on the other team. Like, they don't give a shit. They don't care what Coxie's about. They don't care what, you know what I mean? And so you, you have to answer the bell to help to kind of protect those guys, you know, that have been there, done that. I mean, Coxie was a little older there, you know, and why would you not protect a guy that's already been there, done that, you know? And um, that was one thing that we all kind of did. We just did it, you know? Right. You know, he would, I mean, fuck, he fought Probert, you know, what, two, three times? Yeah. Uh, you know, some yeah. of the best, which is, you know, some of the best hockey fights, you know, you, I've ever fucking seen. And for those out there, if you've never seen Probert versus Cox, do yourself a favor and go yeah. look them up. They're fucking great. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. But, you know, I like that mentality. You know, he, like you said, he's he's been there and done that. He's 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 got that T-shirt. Um, fucking, 
he fought anybody and everybody in the NHL, so it'd be kind of silly for him. And like you said, he's on the back nine of his career, so it'd be silly for him to kind of you know go down there in the Southern Hockey League and fight yeah, dudes right. trying to make a name for themselves. So I kind of like that mentality. It's not just the stars that you guys protect. You protect all uh, other tough guys, too. Yeah, no, it's really true. Like, he, he – in that guy – you're talking about humble guy. That guy is one of the most humble guys I've ever met. You know what I mean? And he never talked about how tough he was. He never talked about how – you know, what he did in his career because everything else kind of spoke for itself, right? He never – he put his tape on and he just kind of walked away. He let the guys enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's like a team bonding. Oh, yeah. Because we all – I mean, are you kidding? There wasn't one guy that I didn't know that Provo coffee fight. Then they had the, you know, the rematch. The Joel, you know what I mean? Joel was three, and they packed it. And, um, you know, and then, you know, there's some some faults of some of his other fights that he, you know, I won't talk about because I respect that in itself. But um, it's just a lot of um, – he protected us. Now that I'm older, I, he was protecting us inside the game, which is really amazing for guys that can figure that out. And I, res- I, I respect that, man, until I die. There's no question. Absolutely, man. Um, well, the next year you ended up with the uh, the Central Texas Stampede out in the Whipple. You know, you make your first splash into the <laughs> Western Professional Hockey League. What was that like? Oh, man, it was like... So Huntsville, when I left Huntsville, I, that new league came in, and... Um, Huntsville, Huntsville didn't even ask me back, but that's just the way it goes, you know. It's just the way it goes. That's just part of the part of the hockey, you know, moving around and bouncing in the minors. So I went to um, the other Ripple, and I started. I went to camp, and I was a prick. I didn't give a shit. I had one year under my belt, and um, I just went in there like I owned it. I really did. Uh, I fought. I fought Jacques Mayotte in camp. And, oh, what was it like fighting um, the mailman? I fought the mail. Well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it was. I didn't know who he was, and that's how I went in. I didn't look up anybody. I didn't care because if I did, I probably wouldn't have done it. And right, you, d- you didn't did want to. You didn't want to know his track record and what he's got. You just nope. you just go nope. in there, balls to the wall. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He walked me, and and I was I was you know I, I know how to I knew how to protect myself, which guys you know and stuff like that. But I was maybe I was lucky that day <laughs> because I remember him telling me and going to Bob Warren and saying that guy's got a lot of balls, and that's coming from Jocko. So you know maybe that helped not knowing who he was because I would have I would have died probably that day if I <laughs> if I knew what he was about. <laughs> well, it's a good thing a hockey DB wasn't around back then. He couldn't look his ass up before the before camp or anything oh. like that. <laughs> now we're spoiled looking at all these oh, stats. Yeah. Oh man! No, <laughs> what a team you guys had though. This was another tough fucking team. I, I you know I, I was looking through the track record. I think this might have been one of the toughest ones you had. You had Jason Taylor, Jason Clark, the mailman, and then Brad Wingfield and yourself. Yeah. So that was. So that was the second year, the first yep. year, and actually the first year, the first year was actually had Dean Colstead, Herb Raglan. Oh, um, that's right. Josh Sorry, my man. I got my I got my years yeah. mixed up here. That's my fault. Yeah. Fucking rookie mistake yeah, okay. over here. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, that, that's the first. The, yeah, that first year was ridiculous. Like Herb Raglan, you know, played for St. Louis, and he battled like no other in St. Louis, and and you know he was 
he was awesome. You know, I mean, and you know, uh, Bertion, he played for, he's our goalie, and I mean, he he would fight anybody if he could. You know, if it wasn't for Bob Bourne, I mean, you know, that's our goalie. You know, <laughs> so you know, Winger, um, Jacques. I mean, it go, there's a list that I mean, Kostad. You know, came from San Jose, and you know, and he was another awesome guy. You know, I mean, the, the list goes on, and you know, we just it was an awesome team and, you know, we've had to play El Paso. I mean, they are tough too. And just the whole league was, it was just, man, if you can't, if you, if you make it past that first year, I think you got a chance to at least, you know, get something going and, and play as far as you can, you know, because there, I saw some guys come in and out one day and the next day gone. It's so fast. Oh, it's kind I'm of sure. You kind of, kind of think like, you know, you better get your ass together or you sit together, or you're, you're out of here, you know? Right. Yeah, from what, from what uh, you know, my, uh, from what Darren over at Fourth Line Voice, the other uh, Enforcer podcast has told me, the WPHL was pretty much like the LNAH in terms of toughness without kind of like the, you know, the WWE sideshow aspect of it, but that was probably one of the toughest minor leagues that was, that had ever existed. Oh, man, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I, I think. I mean, I was in a lot of leagues, but, I mean, I I had to, I had to, there was times where, you know, when that, when we only had six teams, you know, you know who's coming to the rink. I mean, I don't care who you are, what tough guy you are. Nobody wants to be hit. Nobody wants, I mean, you just know. If you play like the way I did, you got to go down the list. And at the beginning of the game, and it's just like slap shot when you know when you go down like oh oh he's not playing, you know there's actually that happens. I mean guys don't want to fight guys, but you know maybe you don't feel that tough today or you know what I mean. I mean nobody wants to get hit and nobody wants to get hurt. I was scared. There's no question. But when I was sitting, you know, if I was sitting on the bench, I knew I had to fight. I got my ass kicked. I I liked I liked to where it just happened. You know if I overthought it. I'm, 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 I'm screwed. I'm going to get my ass kicked. And, um, and that happened. And, you know, you just, you, if you overthink it, you're in trouble. And that's, that's just the way I was anyways. So. Right. <laughs> did, did you ever have that? Did you find it hard to kind of sleep before games, that pregame nap and that anxiety? Did you, did you feel that before every game pretty much? Um, I, um, no, no, for me, no. I I um I got to the game early all the time, and I um I could tell I, I you know I start things up and warm up. It depend it de- it depend who we played. I mean every guy was different. You know, like going back to St. Louis, you know Louis there. I mean I hate going to Fort Worth. I couldn't stand it. The barn was <laughs> shit. It was just I mean it really was. And but that was a hard place to play. You know, and you know same with the. You know, going to New Mexico, that was a shit show, you know, but they had a lot of fans. Um, you know, you know, same with uh, Shreveport. That's why they were, that's why they won. I mean, that, the crowd is on top of you. You know, there was just a lot of ranks like that. But those guys, that they made that team, those managers were smart. They made those teams for that, you know, for, for, for that rank. And, you know, man, I would have been a perfect fit in any one of those. Are you kidding me? But, you know, our, our rank in the WPHL is you know, a little higher. 
and, you know, it, it was it wasn't like an intimidating rink, you know. But we had guys like Zoko, you know, doing stupid shit out there that you know scared the guys, you know. So he scared us. Why wouldn't he scare the other teammates, right? <laughs> uh, right. The other other, other teammates. God. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Jock, too, were you there or were you on the bench or on the ice when he was, like, fighting security off like off the ice? He was, was trying to get at somebody? I was standing right there. I was on the ice. Well, what, what started off. that? Like, what sparked that thing? So what happened was, you know, the rivalry, the, the rivalry with New Mexico, you know, there was, there was shit happening in pregame, like, morning skates. Oh, you know, shit. it got to be personal. It got to be personal. You know, so was Jacques because Jacques was around. Jacques was on the league for so much longer than everybody else. I mean, he's not older. And, you know, and and it got to be very personal with what what I don't know. And I can't answer that, but it just kind of evolved into something. You know, a lot worse. You know, they had a good team, tough. Um, I just remember that. You know, in, in their pregame skate in the morning, it really got crazy. And then <clears throat> the game started there, and then all that shit happened. I just remember him going through the security. But what happened was that the gate wasn't shut right. Now, if that gate was shut, totally different ball game. And, um, you know, they let that one guy out, and that's when Jacques kind of went after him. And, you know, like I said, if they would have shut that, if that, if that ring attendant would have let that, you know, shut that gate, different ball game. We wouldn't be talking about it right now. But, you know what? It happens, and that's you know he he lost it. I mean, he lost. He's lucky he didn't get banned from the game, and, and um, there, it was scary there actually. Scary. <laughs> and for those out there wondering what the fuck we're talking about, you can go on YouTube after this and just look up Jacques Mayotte. Well, one look at look check out the old mailman's fights. He's got a great track record. <laughs> uh, you know, pick your fucking poison there. But there's that video yeah, and it's, it's of this exact incident we're talking about. You'll see him like almost kind of fighting security trying to get to an, a, a player from New Mexico. And it's quite the spectacle on there. He was on his skates. So like I said, there was a lot of, lot of animosity and there was a lot of personal conflict way before, you know, like I said, those guys, they all knew him and stuff like that. And, you know, he bounced around so many minor leagues and stuff like that. But, um, you know, he's got a security him, him on the ice or on the, he actually was better on the concrete than he was on the ice. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It's it's but, funny. He looks giant guy, in the video. Guy. He was he was a giant man. He was tough man. I, I you know I get that. I don't see that guy. I don't really talk to a lot of you know guys like that. You know he's kind of moved on. I moved on and stuff like that. But he, you know he when I went when I went up to um, the like AAA there, I got called up to Salt Lake City and stuff like that. And um, they sent him with me a couple times just because you know. To, to you know protect me or to kind of help what's going on up there and, and that and that definitely helps you know my, it, get, get more comfortable with playing in, in that upper level and stuff like that you know so um yeah so you know you know i respect the guy you know there's no question about it right and you know speaking of salt lake with that i was going to ask you about a guy because um that year you got called up there in 96 and 97 you happen to have a guy on the team who was another uh, another tough guy who was in the NHL was a uh, one Mick Vukoda. Did you ever get have any run-ins with Mick at all? No way, man. I didn't fight that guy. No way. Oh no, he was on your team. Not a chance. Yeah, I, yeah. I played. I played. So Nick Vukoda was playing. I played with him in Salt Lake City, and 
I that guy is another one. That's another guy. You talk about a class act off the ice. You know what I mean? That guy battled, and um, he was awesome, man, in the locker room. And he, there's some guys, man, that took. You know, they know a guy that comes up there, and they're not. They know they're scared. They're not scared, man. You know, but that was the first time I got to see my 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 jersey hung up right, and everything was unpacked. You know what I mean? It's it's a different mentality, right? right? And you know, when Jacques was up there, and, and I got sent there, and he Jacques called me out in front of everybody in the locker room. I I, I stretched, but I didn't stretch for an hour. And he's like, he called me out. He's like, you've never stretched that long. You know, you, what what are you doing? You know, what, what, you know, in front of everybody, quiet. I'm still stretching because I didn't know what to do. I was so nervous. I'm seeing guys that I watched on TV that I'm I'm, I'm kind of sitting in the locker room with, which I, you know, it was amazing for me. And he's calling me out for stretching that long. Well, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Just have a shower? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, that's great, man. Um, well, yeah, you had uh, you had two little stints there with the uh, the old Grizzlies up there in the eye show. How how was it playing in the eye? It was um, it was pretty. It was um, it was overwhelming at the beginning. Um, but I. Uh, you know, I had to go in when I went into uh, the second stint there with Salt Lake City, and I called it. And I got into uh, I got into a tilt with Patrice Lafave, the goal scorer. Um, he played for Vegas at the time, I believe. Um, I can't remember. I think he played for Vegas, and I was playing for Salt Lake City. Um, and he uh, he dropped his gloves with me, and I and I. I, I mean, I, he he hit me a couple times, and I just I gave him a couple of good ones, and 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 that was now that was scary because you know I just reacted. I went to the penalty box. He got I cut him open pretty bad, and I went to the penalty box, and I remember sitting in the in the box and looking at the jumbotron, and you know I don't get to see jumbotrons very often, and just the way the crowd reacted to it was not good because it was on the road and. When I got out, I had to fight again. Then I went back in the box. Then I had to come out again, and then I fought again. I had, like, three fights before the second period even ended. And, um, you know, Jason Simon grabbed me, threw me around, and, you know, he's a big dude, and I think he was being nice to me. (laughs) (laughs) I got to – I ran into him over in Huntsville for a charity event that happens every year. And it wasn't this year, but it was last year. And that guy, that you talk about a story. That guy's amazing. Sat in my in my room there, and you know, shoot the shit with me and and a couple other guys, and tell his story and and um, what he's doing now. I, I that, that 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 that's really amazing to me. I, you know, especially you know the heritage he came from and, and trying to help those kids. I, I think that's absolutely amazing. And, and that that stuff like that for myself. Uh, keeps me going where I'm at, and to see that guy doing that. Yep. Right. Well, the next year, man, you had a you had a hell of a year with the Stampede again. You racked up uh, 41 points in 311 penalty minutes. Well, what was that year like for you? That was uh, that's I kind of got you know comfortable a little bit, and I can kind of you know I had a little confidence, you know, and um, you know bouncing up and down. You know, that, of course, you think you're a badass, but you're really not. <laughs> but you just, that's where I kind of, I just kind of played, you know. I, 
and Lino Elwood is the coach. Um, and he taught me a lot of cool stuff off the ice. You know, he was he battled when he was playing up there in the NHL and stuff like that. And they didn't like him because he was just too four. He was too you know tougher on the air and stuff like that. And I wish that guy would have. I wish that guy would have stayed. But he, you know he was only there for a year and stuff like that. But he just you know he told me a lot of respect about the game. And uh, and uh, I haven't I haven't seen that guy since. And I I like to see that guy one day. You know he kind of he helped me more than he thinks. Did you ever do any like off ice training as far as fighting goes? Like, did you ever you ever get into like boxing or MMA or anything like that at the time? No, I never. I I um, I never did. I never did. I um, I don't know. I, I never trained boxing. I never. I never did any of that MMA stuff. I didn't do. I, I I had I had I think I trained in the bars back home. I think that's what it was. <laughs> get, the, get the old liver workout. <laughs> Well, I had a lot of, there's a lot of tilts after junior when I'd go home, you know, I got tested a lot and, you know, unfortunately that, you know, that stuff happened until my dad really got onto me about, you know, you break your hand and you're in trouble, you know? And so I kind of shut that down, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like to, um, I didn't realize, I didn't, I didn't know I was tough and I still really don't really think about that too much. I just kind of played the game the way that I knew how to play the game. And if you're going to, if you're going to start shit, then you got to back it up. And that was it. You know, um, I, I can't explain that. Cause I, I really don't remember any of the fights that I really had. You see video and stuff like that. And I, um, you can probably, I'm sure you've heard that from other guys too. But, um, I kind of just, you know, just kind of, sh- I don't, I don't do a lot of these talks about that kind of stuff. But you seem pretty cool, so I, I, I was like, you know what? Why not, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and it sucks, man. There's no well, one. There's like barely any footage of the WPHL out there for as many fights as that league had. Nobody, it seemed like nobody snuck a camcorder in there to uh, <laughs> record some shit. But um, yeah, it's it sucks that some of that piece is gone. But you know, nonetheless, at least we're here talking about it and give give everybody some good stories here. Um, but moving on you ended up in Louisiana and you had a pretty, you had a few tough guys on there too. You had Eric Cloutier, Roger Maxwell and Kyle Friedrich on there. What was it like playing with those boys in the ECHL? That was a tough, that was a tough year for me. Uh, not even a year. I was there for, I didn't know how many games. Uh, Hockey DB has you down here at 14. Yeah, that sounds about right. I I went into it. I had a, I had, um, I had an agent at the time. Um, Oh, Shimmerhorn. I think his last name is Shimmer. I can't remember. Um, he was he was actually helped me a lot. He sent me to the East Coast, and I went and played maybe uh, there's 14 games like you said, and maybe I maybe played maybe probably 14 minutes. To be honest, I fought more than anything. I, I mean, I was fighting the tough guys. You know, me and Roger Maxwell were there, and it was not it. That was that was a tough year, man. 14 games seemed like a year because I was, I got settled in an apartment and you know we got it all set up and then I got I got traded and I got traded to PD Pride and I didn't go so I went home and um, at the time you know I was married to another you know girl and you know it was tough on her too and so went back to Bell and kind of you know just had to have a look in the mirror and see what's going on here and, and figure it out. But it just—it it was just bad timing. They had an awesome team, and 
too many tough guys. And, you know, that's just part of the business. Um, would I like to stay there? No question about it. You know, can I play with that team? Absolutely. But, you know, I got tapped on the shoulder, and no coach has ever tapped me on the shoulder to go do something that I know, I know if it's time or, you know, to be a game changer. You know, the fourth liner. That kind of upset me. You know, I got to play. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not strictly. Uh, I mean, I was 185, 190 pounds. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm not a tough guy. You know, I'm a ball. Uh, you know, I'll, I, I do what I got to do. But you know, I'm going to get hurt. And you know, the best thing that happened was they traded me, and and they told me to go to PD, and and I didn't go. I left. And you know, and things kind of worked out a little bit better for me. You know, after that. Did, now, after that, did you go to the WCHL first or, or back to the I first? So I went to the West Coast, then, then I went to the West Coast and played in Bakersfield. Yep. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I went to camp. I went to camp before to, in Vegas. I had an awesome camp. You know, I got to play with, you know, got to see Peter Nedved. That was the time when he was, you know, his uh, dispute with his uh, contract. And I got to play with him in camp, or in the you know, when I got called out. Actually, it was in camp, and a lot of guys like that. You know, that was it was pretty awesome. There was just there was just no room. I wasn't drafted, and stuff like that. And I had a great camp, and went to the played for um, McDonald there, and um, Bob Bourne was playing uh, coaching, sorry, in uh, in Las Vegas, and I mean, you know, Dean Ewing was up there, Kevin Kaminsky. I mean, there was guys on that team that were just awesome, like just awesome guys. What was it and, like playing with, uh, with Kaminsky? Oh man, that guy, that guy, I would have fought that guy if I was on another team. There's no question. Oh, is he just I an absolute fucking prick? He just, I, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really like look into guys like, and he's one guy I would have ran into and I probably would have got my eye carved out. No question. But <laughs> you know what? You have two eyes, right? But he, he's off the ice. That was that 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 team, that was a game changer. <clears throat> when I when I left the, the West Coast and you know, unfortunately I was wasn't told to go up when I was told, you know, when I was getting called up. You know, Bob Bourne was asking me, like, why why aren't you coming up here? I'm like, What? And so they're kinda keeping me down and I and that's when I grabbed my shit. I grabbed my shit that night. I told the trainer I had to come to the locker room. I grabbed it and left. Went right to Vegas. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, that, that's a sh- shitty part of uh, the minor leagues. And when I got up there, man, it was awesome. It was, you know, I knew some of the guys from camp. But, uh, you know, you talk about, you talk about, uh, you talk about life skills right there. You know, I saw those guys. I saw you know, the way Killer conducted himself. Off the ice, same with Dean Ewing. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it really does. If you look at that that, that roster, I made the you know I, I I was on the team picture, man. I love. Are you kidding me? I played only on that many games, forty something games, whatever it is. I don't even know. But I was on the team picture, and I love that because those guys took care of me, and um, I am I, I just I think that's amazing, you know. 
Absolutely, man. And what, you know, I, I'm a huge fucking. I, I love Kaminsky, man. I I, did, I actually didn't watch much of his stuff until uh, I think it was one day I was looking up Fourth Line Voices YouTube and he had like a Kaminsky fight up from when he was with uh, the Blades out there in Saskatoon. And I just started. I, I fell down the Kevin Kaminsky rabbit hole of fight videos, and I became an instant fucking fan. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Oh man, he's he's a good one, man. Now, but uh, who was it? I think it was Matthew Barnaby. Barnaby had posted a picture on Twitter. I don't know if you're on Twitter or not. If you're not on Twitter, don't bother going on Twitter. It's terrible. No, I'm not on Twitter. Good. So keep it that way because hockey Twitter is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it that way. But I think I, I think it was Barnaby. He had posted a picture of a helmet, and it, it was kind of like, oh, what's the word? Like chiseled out on the front and everything like that and saying it was Kevin Kaminsky's helmet. And it was kind of cut up and chiseled out so where – if also, guys got, would cut their hands. Yeah, did 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 Kaminsky actually do that shit? No way, uh, no way. No, I don't believe it. I don't. I, I, man, I don't think so. I, I he was tough enough. He would use his right. stick. <laughs> exactly. I, there's no way. He, he had more respect for the game than that. There's no way. Uh, I don't believe that. Sometimes you know, I, I get why people might not like it, but at the end of the day in a position like that when you're fighting for a job you'll kind of do anything for an advantage like a lot of people don't like the Rob Ray thing with his sweater coming off and whatever no, it was cheap well, yeah, well, you're well, fighting for a job I don't know I, I don't I don't know I don't think he I don't think so I, I and I hope he didn't I, I don't know I can't answer that but I would I know how he is on the ice maybe because I'd be called the kettle black because you know what I mean I I did some shit out there too and, um, you know, but I didn't, I didn't do any, I didn't do that. You know, I whacked the goalie, I whacked the goalie hand when he was, had him on the glass, the backup goalie in Kelowna one time. I remember that, you know, <laughs> yeah, was, and, I, and, and yeah, that was pretty bad, but you know what I mean? I mean, that's probably the worst thing I did. Well, maybe not. <laughs> hey, you know, well, it's. It's a it's a way to intimidate intimidate another team, and people don't realize that intimidation does play a factor in the game. And I, I've said it on multiple episodes here, and I'll probably say it again in the future just to reiterate because it's it's everything's so stat focused now. But you know when you do you do shit like that, and you know word gets around the league a little bit like oh fuck, did you hear like what Zerba did? Like don't don't get next to that motherfucker this game or some shit like shit like that. You know you get a little bit more room out there on the ice, and it's that game within yeah, no a game question. type deal. No, you're right. It's you know it started a warm up and it never changed until I got out of the game. Ninety percent, ninety percent of players on the ice were bluffers, and I still, I still think, I still think that. I think the game has changed. Of course, of course, they just can't afford to hurt themselves. But you know, it's the same mentality. They, they, they're, they intimidate guys. Like look at, um, oh man, I mean, there's other guys in the league that in the NHL that do the same thing. They're just, you know, they're six five, and they talk a lot of shit. Like, it's it, the game hasn't changed in that point. There's still a mental game, but they're just smarter about it because there's a thousand cameras. You know, right. we we did the thing in warm up. You know, you, you know, I knew who was a bluffer, and but also, I'm I'm I don't want to fight that guy. There's no question. You know, I don't. He's big and he looks like he's really tough, but I you have to use that. The, the mental aspect uh, to kind of knock him off his game a bit. There's times where I, I was scared, man, to come off the bench, you know, like even, you know, start shitting warm up and oh, oh my God, this guy wants to start a fight with me. <laughs> uh, I'm like, 
I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm out. I'm not, I can't. I'm not doing it. You know. So <laughs> it's it's definitely a mental. It was definitely a mental game back then. No question on the ice. And um, you know, like when I was when I was, that reminds me of that question there uh, when I was up in there in the eye and and uh, Louis DeBrusque was playing for Long Beach and I was. I was just, man, I couldn't wait to get on the ice and warm up. I mean, I was flying around, man. I loved it, you know? And and I remember him going to Kaminsky or Ewing and says, what the fuck is Serba doing? What the fuck is he doing? Tell him to slow the fuck down. And because he thought, you know, the way I was stretching and, and twisting and stuff, like I was getting ready to you know, start some shit. And, uh, you know what I mean? And right. I, I really wasn't. I was, I was just excited to be on the ice like those guys, you know what I mean? And... <laughs> And I think it's kind of funny now. Like, I look at it and um, hear him and listen to him on the commentator and see his son grow as a hockey player and stuff like that. Uh, that's stuff that I, I, you know, I really enjoy. And then Randy Carlisle screaming at me from Manitoba, and you're gonna get your reserve. And I called my parents. Randy Carlisle was screaming at me from the bench. I can't believe it. I was, I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's, it's your fucking. Well, it's that role, man. And you know, it's. I think McGratton said it best. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the film Ice Guardians. And he's like, you know, if you don't yes, have, have, yeah, with it was McGratton and Cote, and they're like, you know, if you don't have guys booing you or calling you a pussy or you suck, you're not doing your fucking job right. So you know, it's shit like that when people are telling you that shit. You you know, you're doing something. And you're in their head. So it's almost a good thing that they're saying that shit to you. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean that that documentary, man. It took me a long time to watch it, and honestly. I had a tough time going through it because it actually brought it brought like some downside to your to to my career in itself, and because you know we're all the, the all the little guys like that play like that are all the same. You know, it's coming back to what we talked about putting the gear on the same way. That's the same way, but those guys, you know, were legit tough tough guys. You know, I mean, these guys had to. These guys were. You know, massive and and, and tough, like really tough. You know, I I kind of just I had nothing to lose. You know, I wasn't that big, but I nothing to lose. If I lost, you know what, no big deal. But if I kicked the big guy's ass, hey, you know what, I'm the I'm the champ. You know, what I mean? but I didn't think I didn't think like that. You know, but that 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 was a, that's a tough documentary to watch, and I I watched it, and I I'm not sure when I'll watch it again. To be honest. Right. Yeah. You know, I I understand that. Um... You know, it's one of my favorite films because I think it's an important story that needs to be heard. And again, that's kind of part of that's probably an inspiration for this podcast. You know, it's players like that and players like yourself, what you go through and everything like that. It's overlooked often by a lot of people today, unfortunately. And everybody, oh, you can't play hockey or you're a pussy or a a big dummy or whatever the case (laughs) may be. And it's all, it's. You know, I used to get super pissed about it because I thought it was just super ignorant. But now it's just it's just typical today. But you know that's kind of why this podcast is here to appreciate yeah it's awesome. stuff like that. Yeah. So um, you know, and again having yourself on to tell these awesome fucking stories and shit like that. So at the end of the day, I don't you know I'm glad I Ice Guardians is out there because again I don't know if you know, I'd even be doing this shit without yeah, that. No, so no question. No question. It it makes you it makes you respect like the Dean Ewings and Kevin Kaminsky's and the Craig Coxes and you know because if those guys didn't win, they're out. You right. Know, like what? If, a lot of those guys don't have anything anymore. You know, some of those guys don't. 
and um, but they put their line their life on the line, and no, and nobody protected them after. And and you know, of course, that's changed now. But um, man, that that uh, that that gets me. You know what I mean? It, that really does. You know, look at Joe Murphy and his incidences, and you know what I mean? It just it touches the guys that have been there. You know. That's one of my biggest gripes with the NHL today, too, is that they'll still advertise games for these guys, uh, or not, excuse me, advertise games showing like you know previews of oh it's rivalry night, uh, remember the Battle of Alberta and it's you know like Dave Stamenko or yeah. whatever, but the game turned its back on those guys, the NHL right. turned its back on them, but you're still going to advertise them and try to make money to sell your product, sure. which yeah. one the product is nothing, it's not like that anymore. The NHL is not what it used to be as far as that goes, but you're going to sit there and try to make money or hype the games up by by advertising these guys, yet you turned your back on them and didn't take proper care of them. It's 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 sickening to me. No, and that's and that's you're you're 110 right. Now, you know um, the NHL they had to step it up. They know they messed up, and they need to take care of those guys because if it wasn't for those guys. Like the Joe, you know Joe Murphy, and, and you know just a lot of those guys that got hurt. You know what I mean? And you know I played a week, I trained with Wade Belak, you know back in Penticton, you know growing up in Oakland Hockey School, and and so that that if they would just help protect those guys, give them something to fall back on, and give them some comfort. You know what I mean? And, and that would that, that they deserve that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Acknowledge because they 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 made the they passed away. You know, made the path for the guys that are this good. You know, that's a sacrifice, and you know that, and we all know that. They know the game. Um, you know, and that's and that's why I I respect the guys that were, you know, tougher than I was or whatever. That I saw how hard they played. I saw, you know, and that made me better away from the game. You know what I mean? It, it just that's that's what it, that they, they I owe it to them. You know, as the way I played. They helped me get out of the game sooner than I should have, but there was a reason they sacrificed that for me, and I and I and I understood that at the time, and you know I'm, I'm lucky to be where I'm at now today. There's no question. Right, exactly. You know they they made room for the guys to do what they could do, and they made the NHL money at the end of the day too. I mean, when Derek Bugard when he played for the Minnesota right. Wild for a, I forget if it was a year. I know for a fact it was at least one year, but I can't remember if it was other years. But he was the most uh, the the best selling jersey in the team shop. You know, there's yep. a reason for that, and he you know the game didn't treat him the best way, and look what happened. You know, rest in peace to Derek yeah. Bugard. Of yeah. course, I'm not. <clears throat> I, they I, knew they they knew they knew that he was the problems he had. They didn't oh, give him the help. It I've could, read the, it'd be a different ball game. I read the book. There's a book out there for people out there. Go read this. It's called Boy on Ice, and you'll see how much uh, was opioids, uh, like pills, they yeah. would prescribe to Derek Bugard, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and then, then now because of that, now look what happened. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to, you know, get on a soapbox about Derek Bugard or disrespect sure. him or anything like that. But you know, at the end of the day, the NHL needs to take care of these dudes. Yeah, there's no question, and it's it's like that in, in Major League Baseball too, and stuff like that. Look at the last pitcher that just went down. Oh yeah, it does, I mean? it's not just so enforcers; it's, it's it's in all sports. You know that's 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 one of the base. That's one of their their enforcers. You know, he doesn't fight, but he's he's an awesome. He's a good pitcher. Mm -hmm. You know, that was their enforcer, one of them. So it's it's um 
it's a tough it's a it's a tough debate, but not when you know what I saw. The game was changing, and I know what I know, and I think we're on the same page about it. And I, I just hope these guys get some sort of, um, I know, I don't even know. Like the proper it, treatment and, I, and and set yeah. up for after the game, because the way I see it, I have no issues. There's no with, question. I have zero issue with guys wanting to go out there and fight. You're a grown man. If you want to go out there and fight. And everybody knows the risk now because everybody likes to decide whether or not a guy or NHL player should fight or if they should be fighting in hockey. At the end of the day, at this point now, you know, the guys know the risk. Everybody's heard of the CTE, the, the, the TBIs, everything like that. Sure. Everybody knows sure. the risk. If you're a, you're a grown man, if you want to go out there and make the conscious decision to drop the gloves and fight, like the, the knockout, I don't know if you saw it, it just happened in the AHL recently between Stockton, I think it was Bakersfield. Um, at the end of the day, those guys should be able to go out there and do that. That being said, the league should be able to take care of those guys afterwards because they're the ones right. putting their life on the line for the owners, yep. the commissioner, and everything like that. You know, sorry, you know, I, I know we're getting I, off topic a little bit here, but you know, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I like I enjoy talking about this yeah. shit. It's very, it's very, it's very important. And I'm going to tell you something, <clears throat> and I'm sure there's other guys, just like myself, that played the way I did. I saw I saw the video. I didn't push play because all I saw was a brutal knockout. I didn't want to see it. I didn't I didn't want to see it. I don't want to see that. You know what I mean? Of course you don't because that just it's that guy's in trouble. He might not play again. That it, it just it's but we got to have there's got to be some sort of precaution. There's got you got to stick up for the guys. You got to have you got to have something so if they take the fighting out of the game, then who so. Are you kidding me? You can just go up free will and, and whack somebody and hurt them? That's a game changer for the playoffs. So I just go up and whack Crosby behind the back of the leg, break his leg. And if you fight somebody because he did that, okay, you're suspended. But you know what? That tough guy or the guy that is on the fourth line is going to get you know suspended for the playoffs. But guess what? That's a pretty good damn trade. See you, Crosby. Oh, guess what? We just won. Right? So there's no, I don't know, there's no justification there. You know, exactly. It's. Uh, it, does that make sense? I it mean, does. You know, because I don't. Like you said, if you can, if you can, I think it was also in the same in the same fucking uh, ice guardians film was Kelly Chase. He was like, you can tell me if you're blue in the face, fines won't work on guys or suspensions won't work. You can suspend a guy for however many games, but he just helped his team out by taking out Crosby like that. You know. No, there's no question about it. I mean, you don't think there's a plan before that? They try to do it. They, they try to do it to all the top players. I mean, of course, you know, nowadays it's just. I mean, like I said, there's so many cameras, you can't do nothing. Well, just look but at how many concussions Crosby's had in, in his whole career already. He's more than Gretzky's ever had, and Gretzky played in a way tougher area <laughs> in the NHL. Just look at it. it you know, the, the the proof is there, and people will still just put their head in the sand about it. I don't right. know why, but they do. The brain, the brain doesn't get any bigger or smaller. I mean, you know what I mean? You're gonna make a bigger helmet? Doesn't? I mean, what are you gonna do? Right, so what do we bring the co-hose back with that don't flex? You know, okay, we'll get a couple of broken wrists. I bet you the game changes if they bring back that old stick. <laughs> oh yeah, and not only that, they, should, they definitely won't be putting up goals like they can now either with all their composite sticks and everything <laughs> right. like that too. <laughs> I always laugh about that too. People always say put put Crosby back in the eighties and he he'll, he'll put up three hundred goals a season. Well, I'll give him all the same equipment and the same that's training. That's it's fucking stupid different. analysis. That's, that's the stupidest analysis. I, I can't stand that. Oh, I know. Me too. Fuck it, eh? 
All right. Well, getting back on track here. It's all good. I love I love going off the fucking rails like that because it's always important to talk about shit like that and people need to hear sure. it. So I definitely appreciate you going off the rails with me there. Yeah, no worries. Absolutely. So the next year, you end up in the WPHL again with the Stampede. And you ended up putting up 53 points with 342 PIMS. What was it like that year for you? Your, your comeback year after being gone for uh, about th- two years? Yeah, I came back. I, um, you know, I grew up a lot. I grew up a lot out there battling and stuff like that. And I didn't have to, um, I didn't have to fight as much. I, you know, the older you get, you're more experienced, of course. And I had some little bit of skill, you know, and, and I, um, I was on the power play and it's on my niche and I, I could, I could, I could, you know, if someone wanted to fight, I, I could choose when I wanted to do that if I had to, you know what I mean? That was good. That was good for me because it, it wasn't like I had to do it. I just kind of just depending on how the game was and, you know, <clears throat> there's another guy that came in the league and he can do it. Right. You know, I, I had to protect myself a little bit more. You know, I had a couple concussions that were pretty bad and, you know, I, I just, I was starting to, feeling myself that it was uh, trying to, you know, I was in my prime to play, but I wasn't going to go and play in the ice. You know what I mean? I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't drafted. I wasn't going any higher. So I was happy with that. And I, I was just kind of, you know, on my way out pretty, pretty, you know what I mean? I, you play as high as you could. And I, right. I want to be one of those players. I don't want to be one of those players that just prolonged, prolonged because what, you know, what's double A going to do to me? It's just going to, I mean, I'm just going to get my ass kicked. And and I'm glad I did it. You know, I got away from the game. And I, I didn't go to the ring for five years. And that was that was tough for me. And um, I never saw a game. I never want to be around it. Um, but, you know, everybody deals with it differently. You, know, you see some of the other guys that come out of the league now, even in NHL or any sport, they go down. And... I mean, a lot of it's timing. A lot of it's trying to come out of it, and I, uh, I just, I just, I was lucky enough to kind of keep it, keep myself alive and 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 try to stay healthy and, and focused, you know, um, because you know when you, so you got it helps when you have kids, you know, when you got you know you got a boy at the time that that you know needs a dad. So I mean, a lot of guys have to look to that. Some guys don't have kids, but you know that's a that's a big deal, and it happens in all sports. And I see it. I read it every day most times and it's sad and that's that's like we talked about earlier about those guys having help you know that's a big part you know especially having the family and kids i mean they don't talk about the kids and the and the, and the wife a lot you know that's the problem exactly um and so you you said it took you five years to go back to an ice rink yeah it did five years you know what what made you end up going back though I um I don't know I I don't know I, I, I it, it was healing right because I knew I could play longer I was mad that I you know I was mad that I got out of the game um you know <clears throat> I was going through a divorce that 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 hurt me a lot um but I wanted to be a dad so it was the timing right and I had to sacrifice my my morals and just everything above for that kid, you know, because he was three and that really affected me and it was the best thing, you know, I have no regrets. And so I'm, you know, at the time, you know, I was pretty upset. You know, I called my dad, my dad was so pissed off at me. 
and you know he's not here he doesn't know what goes on and he couldn't believe it he's like what like he just it was like dumbfounded pissed off no that didn't help you know but he didn't understand like i said so you know you just you got to battle man the guys battle everybody battles man has played it you wish we can go back and do it you can't you know you just some guys survive some guys don't you know and i and i, and I took the I went back to the rink and I started coaching kids. I started coaching the kids in hockey, and uh, and I liked that. That was a good healing part for, for myself, and um, you know I, I I think that was uh, very important for me to do that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's always it's always good to see when players actually get back to the game, and uh, kind of give back a little bit by coaching kids. I know. I interviewed Mike Segroy, and then uh, he—that's what he's doing now. He's—he's he's big into you know uh, coaching kids, awesome. and whether and, sure. what he's doing is awesome too. He he does the whole um, like shows kids how to give and take a body check properly, basically, and also teaches them MMA and stuff like that. So um, you know, after this, if you're listening, go check that one out if you haven't already. But yeah, man, it's always yeah, good to sure. see good to see people going back and coaching kids. And I think, like you said, it is it is a good process for you to kind of heal a little bit and get back into the game because it's not like you're going back on and playing you're kind of getting your feet wet just a little bit by you know getting behind the bench and coaching kids you know yeah there's no question um you know what's happening like you know i coach these kids i had the kids that you know in, in bell county there they they had no not much skill but they worked hard they came to the rink they weren't late the parents loved it they knew that you know i played and, and they used to watch me and and so that was a healing part that I was kind of giving back because, you know, I remember those kids coming to the games and getting autographs and skating some afterwards. And, and, and I never thought that I'd be end up coaching because I never, I kind of took it out. I was kind of selfish in a way, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, how dare, how dare me not play for the rest of my life and, and not help some other kids. Right. So, you know, it, it's just five years, a long time, but I mean, to me it was not, you know what I mean? It was just, um, it's something that I did and, and, um, I'm glad I did because it was very important and I stay in touch with those kids. There's a few of them and they, they thank you for that and stuff like that. And, and I, and I think that's awesome, man. They, they're thanking me, but you know, I should be actually thanking them, which is really, you know, uh, you know, ironic. Right. Well, I mean, what, what a career you did have, man. I mean, over 2000 penalty minutes. And you're you're the second most penalty minutes of all time in one of the toughest leagues of all time, the Western Professional Hockey League. I mean, it's it's insane that's to think of, about. How many games? How many games is that? How many? That's a lot of sitting, isn't it? Jesus. Oh fuck! I don't know. I'd have to. Yeah, I'd have to. You know, divide that by was it divided by five? Right? I think that's how you calculate that. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be onesies and twosies of you know maybe hooking or slash or roughing in there, but. Fuck, Man, I didn't, I didn't, you know what, I'll tell you what, I didn't get a lot of 10-minute misconduct. Right? I got five and ten, oh, not five and ten, I got five and twos back in then. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of Gordie Howe, I, my goal was to get Gordie Howe hat-trick. I love the Gordie Howe hat-trick, you know what I mean? That was my, that was my goal. I love that. <laughs> well, there you go, that's a good, good one to have. Well, I mean, fuck, you put up a lot of points too, man. I mean, year after year. In juniors, well, your highest total was 72 in juniors, and then, um, let's see, looking looking through here. Uh, 99 to 2000, you had 53 points and 342 pims. That was your most points you had in the minor pros and the most pims you had that same year. That's ridiculous. 
And that's oh, not even why, including just, playoffs, I, you had an extra 49 pims in the playoffs and seven more points in the playoffs, too. <laughs> I'll have to look at that. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to have a little look and see. Make, make sure you're telling me the truth. <laughs> no, I am. I am. Fucking A. It's right there on Hockey TV. Proof's in the pudding. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, man, one more question for you, and I'll let you get on your way. Sure. And, you know, I, I, I've been straight for this. I started out asking this for, like, my first six interviews, and I, for whatever reason, I always kept forgetting to because I just get sidetracked, of course. But do you have any regrets for your career, man? Man, I do not. It's made me who I am today. You know, my dad, I remember, man, it's so crazy. You, you, you know, of course, you remember everything that your parents tell you when you leave and leave in BC at the time. Um, when I went to uh, Texas, my dad just told me straight up, don't burn any bridges. Don't burn any bridges. And that's got nothing to do with the game or the, you know, he just told me don't burn any bridges. And that went hand in hand. You know what I mean? You know, we were pro hockey players, but, you know, you can't play forever. And, and I never thought that, you know, until I got out of the game. And I never did. And, you know, and I kind of teach that to my kids. And I teach, I teach it to a lot of my workers that are younger. So it's, no regrets, man. I, I, I wish I could do it again. Of course, we can't. But you, 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 you know, I treat my business like it's my. It was my career. You know, I just I'm I'm a little bit nicer <laughs> to my customers. <laughs> right now, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you're uh you know dropping the mitts out in the middle of uh well if you're doing landscaping out in the middle of some some lawn <laughs> know, with some I, customers. <laughs> oh my, uh, I only I've only sold one guy out of my truck, and that was you know he's lucky that that's how it happened. So. <laughs> oh fuck it, that's great. Well, man, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on and you know telling some old stories for everybody. I know people are gonna love this shit. Um, so again, I want to thank you for coming on for this episode and coming on to the podcast and helping out, eh? Man, I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me, man, and uh, and all the best to you and stay in touch. Absolutely, man. Will you have yourself a good one, Peter? The part is over. They say that all good things must end Call it a night The part is over And tomorrow starts the same old thing again